1: Listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and I've got Dusty Rainbow back in the studio. Welcome back, Dusty.
2: I am back, and thank you for having me again. Just love
1: talking to you and your listeners. Well, we did a show recently about different breeds, and we went through quiet breeds to own and needy breeds to own. We talked about quite a few breeds, actually. I'm going to go over that. We talked about servals and Persians, and Turkish Vans, and Maine Coons, and Abyssinians, and if you're interested in those breeds, and you want to know more, check out that show on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. So we're continuing on with our tour of the breeds, including some uh, non-pedigreed cats, and their coloration, and what that means today. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you, Dusty, because I know you just came back from Hawaii, and Hawaii is like Australia, it's kind of isolated, or England, Used to have really, really strict quarantines. Are the cats of Hawaii different than the cats of America? or oh, the mainland? Well, you know, it's
2: kind of hard to say. I did not see, there's supposed to be some very large feral cat populations, and I did not experience that. I know along the strip of uh, Waikiki, the restaurants kind of like them because they keep the, the rodent population away, but they are very invisible. And um, there is a a Buddhist temple and pardon me for not remembering the name of it, but they have a problem with the feral cats because in the Buddhist faith, they take offerings to their deceased relatives and they leave the food or or whatever it is on the, the graves of these people. And they complained that the cats come and steal the food. And so they, around this Buddhist temple, they have a huge feral cat population. But on the other hand, if the cats weren't stealing the food, then the food would actually be yeah, acquired by the rats. So, you know, uh, I heard complaints, but I also heard people saying, yeah, but we're glad it's the cats and not the rats. Because I can't imagine anything more desecrating than having rats on your your relatives' graves. But I did get to go to a couple of cat cafes there. And that was very interesting. I mean, their cats just seemed like everybody else's cats. And, and uh, they were friendly and sweet. But I did not see a whole lot of stray cats. And I think that's good.
1: <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, dumb cats. I want to get right to it oh can you you guess who might make this list dusty i think a cat that we had discussed that has (laughs) beautiful long hair uh yes okay top of the list you got it so the persian and the himalayan the burman the american short-haired and the serengeti are all on this list really (laughs) <laughs> that kind of, yeah, I, I see it with the Persian and the Himalayan. And oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's really training them anything, teaching them anything. Memory. I don't know. Some of them don't know their names. It's pretty bulldoggy. We're in bulldog territory, if I'm speaking dog, as comparison. When a bulldog learns something, you want to throw a party. because, <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you remember something the next day, well, that's really noteworthy. Now he actually has a trick. So, yeah, uh, I think Persians and Himalayans are up there. What do you think?
2: Well, yes. You know, I mean, it's not surprising. They have been really severely inbred. And, you know, I don't know if the shape of their head has anything to do with it or if it's just the the amount of inbreeding that they have done. But yes, that has been my experience that, that these guys are should be in remedial math.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is not to say they don't make great cats because do you really want a smart cat? Not everyone does, right? I mean, smart cats get into things. They get into trouble. They get out the door when you open it. I mean, because sometimes having an easygoing, simple cat, if your life isn't that busy and there's not much going on and you don't want your cat to be chronically bored and destructive, a Persian or a Himalayan might just be for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Turkish bands are, uh,
2: I don't know if they're on your list, but they are very smart and it can be a challenge to keep them occupied and... uh, from tearing up the house and abyssinians are the same way very intelligent very active very curious but you have to you have to structure things and make sure they have ways to entertain themselves so yeah uh, having a feline einstein may look cute on your videos but it uh, might also be a challenge to keep them challenged
1: so, okay. I recently met this cat that I, th- I found almost creepy, but beautiful, but creepy back and forth. Right. You know, like when you see a baby, that's just so strange looking, it was called an apple cheek Siamese. Have you ever seen such a thing? absolutely now those
2: i think those are pretty much the traditional siamese aren't they the the old style they actually have big round heads as opposed to the uh, wedge shaped muzzle
1: no. it's a weird head it looks like it's it looks like it ran itself into a corner Its face is shaped like a corner. It's creepy. It's creepy. But then it's beautiful. It's got like a mask. It doesn't look real. The shape of the head looks like, come on, that's not real. Looks like a mask, like some kind of native mask from hundreds of years ago. It does not look like an animal. I can't even describe the shape of this head. Really crazy looking cat. What is it called? Apple cheek. Apple cheek. Apple cheek Siamese.
2: Okay.
1: Anyway, just an aside, because every once in a while, I mean... Doing this so many years, I hardly ever meet a cat that I've never met before. But I met this cat, and I was like, "What the heck is that?" I have got to know. And uh, it turns out, it's a very interesting cat. They're sweet, smart, and you know, likable. Nothing wrong with it, but just such a strange-looking cat. Ragdolls. I want to talk about ragdolls? They have a reputation for being very, very laid back. As the, do you think that's true? I've encountered them, and they seem really easygoing, good with kids. Yes, they are, and uh, you know that's
2: one of those breeds that I recommend. You know, if people want a pedigreed cat, for say, an elderly person or uh, with small children, it's they're fabulous. The reason they're called ragdolls is because they're like a ragdoll. You can pick them up, and they like it, and they're they're beautiful. And but yeah, they are very calm, and if you don't want the activity, if you don't want the running around and the destructive behavior,
1: that's certainly a good way to go. So now we're about to get to the playful. And I know people always want to know who the playful cats are because it's so much fun to have a toy and play with your cat. But again, if you don't want to do it every day, you probably want one of the lazier cats that'll play once in a while. But if you do want to play every day, all day, uh, yeah, oftentimes with your cat, if you want to set up cat trees and cat mazes and buy little things for them and see them try them out, then there are some breeds for you. So we're going to go to break and come back and we'll tell you who they are. Stay tuned animal party on pet
0: life radio here's an alarming statistic more than two-thirds of dogs and cats have oral health disease by the age of three and one of the indicators is bad breath do your pets have a healthy mouth do you cringe when it's time for a kiss or a snuggle let's get to the cause harmful bacteria in their mouth and bad breath is just the start The bad bacteria cause tartar and oral disease, which can lead to serious overall health problems. It's critical to make sure your pet's oral health is the best it can be, as good dental health is key to optimizing their overall health. Now, good news, it's easy and affordable to improve their oral health with Probiora Pet. Just one scoop of this dental care probiotic mixed into their food daily floods the mouth with positive bacteria, which crowds out the bad. This means better oral health and fresher breath. Probiora Pet is an all-natural dental care probiotic. It's odor and taste-free, so your pets will still enjoy their chow. We want to keep your pets healthy. During National Pet Oral Health Month, our listeners can save 10%. Go to ProbioraPet.com and use PLR10 at checkout. That's ProbioraPet.com. Use PLR10 at checkout to save 10%. Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Hello! We're back at Animal Party on PetLife Radio. With Dusty Rainbolt, my guest, the cat wrangler herself, and we're talking about playful cats. Well, I've got my list, but I'm sure you've got your list, Dusty. Who are the playful cats? (laughs) Let's compare. Yes, who are your playful cats?
2: Okay, Turkish fans. They're one of the kitties at the top of my list. I've had them. They don't mature until they're five years old because they're such big cats. And so they remain very kittenish throughout their life. And uh, again, you have to try to outthink them, but fabulous cats. Abyssinians, oh my goodness, so, so active. Also so intelligent, also tend to get in trouble. So, you know, intelligence and trouble and activity all seem to, to go together. Those are my two main ones. Well, Siamese are, are very active as well. What are I yours? have
1: American bobtail, okay. American curl cat. Uh, the Bombay, the Bengal, Balinese, Burmese, and the Cornish, Cornish Rex. Okay. I think they're playful. Okay. Yeah. they—they, they, <laughs> uh, You know, what I have noticed on the
2: playful list, the long-haired cats usually aren't on there. Right. And, you know, is it just because they get so hot? Who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I would go with that. I agree with that.
1: Okay. So now we're getting to the, the vets, the veterinarians have done a little report. They've added their two cents worth. And they say who the best and the worst cats are at the vet. So this I find really interesting because they're not going by breeds. They're going by markings. Hmm. So they say the worst cats most likely to be aggressive at the vet. And again, I would have thought like you, long hair, right? Nope, not going by that. They're going by color only. And they're saying the worst cats at the vet are the gray and whites. The second worst are the black and whites. And the third worst are the calicos. Now they say the best cats at the vet are the black cats or the solid whites or the solid grays or the tabbies. Really? Mm-hmm.
2: I'm surprised because I would have thought people I talk to seem to believe that the, the red cats have some of the best uh, dispositions and personalities. So- well, they're on the best
1: list, the tabbies, oh, the orange. Yep. The Orange best okay. list. Yeah, the best list is solid black, solid white, solid gray, or any tabby. I any mean, cat. I'm a tabby person. I, I totally love tabbies. I I look when I go rescue cats. If I'm keeping any myself, they have to have the M on their forehead. I'm one of these people that totally believes in the tabby mythology. Da- okay, you can diffuse it. Dispel my tabby mythology for the people out there because I believe in it, but most people don't. I think tabbies are the best cats ever. The most, they're just the best. They're just the best. So and I had an email before this show asking me why tabby cats always seem to be the best cats. And I had to answer her saying, well, I don't know, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, let
2: me tell you, I've been in rescue a long time and there are a lot of black cats that need rescue. And there are a lot of tabbies and this, uh, one lady, you know, I went into the shelter and it's like, okay, I have room for two cats. It's really hard to pick. And, um uh, I said, you know, I'll go ahead and take the two tabbies because there's a bunch of them there. And a friend of mine said, God must really love tabbies because he made so many of them. And it's like, (laughs) oh, yes, yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, oh, gosh, as a behaviorist, I look at the markings and say, okay, there may be a genetic component to that. But for me, it all gets back to socialization at an early age. And I just, you know, I have a real problem saying that this color cat is friendlier or, you know, because if you socialize them early enough, almost any cat is going to be easier to handle and more social. So You know, I'm kind of, I'm on the opposite end. I have a really hard time saying that uh, certain cats are better. I will say that black cats seem to have good dispositions though. I've got one
1: laying right beside you. I find that too. I always have one black cat. They do. They're very go with the flow. They fit into your environment. They figure stuff out. But you know what? A lot of this, like you say, I mean, you, yes, I know that vets want to go by genetics and color, and there is something to it because when they do dog studies and genetic studies, and they they can trace, you know, like bite statistics are can be linked to certain colors more than others and certain breeds, and there is some some math to this. There is something there, but but how much and whether it translates to the cat world, I don't know. I, I really, I really think
2: that uh, early socialization trumps uh, breeding. I really do. Because, you know, if the cat is socialized at a very early age and they're handled and, and you know, they're around kids and they're around elderly people and, you know, if they experience a lot of things, then, then they're going to be much more accepting. And, you know, my question is uh, how, well, when you're talking about the black cat or the white cat being easier to handle. Is there a personality trait to people who want the black cats or the white cats? Is there a personality trait to the human being who owns the cat that may influence the behavior of the
1: cat? Oh, that's a really good point. So the person who's maybe a little more uptight or nervous or anxious tends to gravitate, gravitate toward a different type of cat. So that cat might Pick up on that and be anxious at the vet where the person who's really chill takes the tabby because after all, when you look in the box at the rescue place, there's a 100 of them, right? <laughs> that person might be a little more relaxed because they kind of picked a cat that's a little more run of the mill. You know, maybe that is the case.
2: Well, that that's my theory. I mean... Like you said uh, about specific genetics and, and specific colors of dogs and such. Maybe there is something to that when you're, especially when you're dealing with pedigree animals. I know people,
1: oh, it's tortitude. It's calico attitude. It's this, it's that. Oh, and they even do it with kids. And I'm sure you you're sensitive to this. But, you know, when they say, oh, she's a redhead, you know, let her have what she wants. What do you mean? Why is this child getting away with murder? Because her hair color is different than her sister's. Why are you allowing that? That's crazy, you know, but, but in the dog world, you know, some of these things, like for example, if you have a breed that doesn't normally have blue eyes and it has a blue eye, you definitely want to check and make sure that eye works. And the ear works because there's a huge chance, much, much more likely that a blue eyed dog in a breed that's not supposed to be blue eyed will be deaf or blind, much more likely. So there's some things that do run with the color. There's some connections, right? You can't say color doesn't matter at all because it does. It doesn't. Seem-
2: Absolutely. And, and uh, so I hate getting back to the Turkish man, but. No, you don't. You love no, it. No, I don't. I love it. I do. I totally. But OK, so I have a. have had friends that have had white German shepherds and they had a lot of behavior problems and they had a lot of uh, health problems. And they didn't seem to be as on top of things as their normally colored German shepherds puppies and you know again does this get back to the fact that these these animals that they've been bred for this and they're really inbred and that affects the intelligence and the health and the disposition it could be i mean look at poor king tut you know very inbred and all these health problems so you know i'm not i'm not going after anybody by any means
1: but there is a difference between like a, a weakness and a recessiveness. So for example, in people, blonde or red hair may get canceled out by brunettes. In, in breeding poodles, the blonde and the black kind of dominate or, or labs, but you could still get a chocolate, right? You could get chocolate sometimes. And so in some breeds, the recessive has a weaker coat. Mm-hmm. So like a red Doberman is going to be, her coat and skin may not be as fully functional as the black. Version. Yes, yes. And, yes, and that can happen, and so that, that so there are some links, right? but like you say, it's so much more about how you treat your animals. We're going to go to break. We have to go to break. We're going to come back and talk more about that on Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. Take a bite out of your competition.
0: Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows.
1: We're back on Animal Party on Fat Life Radio. And yes, it's true. Color means something, but it sure doesn't mean everything. Any dog or cat or kitten or puppy that you raise well and handle well and love well can be made to be a lovely, lovely animal who enjoys your life and fits in and is perfect for you. So let's talk about that, Dusty. When you get these cats or kittens that maybe haven't been handled enough, it's a kind of a fine line, right? People want to just let them be. But if you let them be and they just hide under the bed for the next six months, they're probably going to be that kind of cat forever. And then trying to deal with them and treat them and tend to them and get them out of their shell becomes harder and harder. But you can't force or flood it because you don't want to terrify them. So you have to come up with a strategy where they're sort of contained and you can interact with them and prove to them slowly and surely, day by day, that humans are good. So how do we do that, Dusty? Oh,
2: now you're talking my language. (laughs) By the way, let me go back one step. And we were talking about the colors and the breeds. Turkish bands, um, because they have the band pattern and the piebald gene, they don't have a problem with... uh, with deafness. However, the, the white cats um, with the blue eyes very frequently are deaf. And uh, so if you have the Angoras or, or whoever, it doesn't matter whether it's a breed or not. If you have a white cat with blue eyes, go ahead and check and make sure that this animal is not deaf because that is
1: associated with the the color in the blue eyes. Well, you know what though, but deaf and, bl- you know, if your cat or dog is blind or deaf in one ear, one eye really won't make a difference to you. It even if you, even if they're deaf in both, that, there's ways to compensate for this. You put a bell on the deaf dog so you can always hear it. You carry things that smell like gum or a cigarette or some, something that will smell that he can identify as your smell so they can always find you. You make a path in the house. It won't be such a big problem, but you just need to know. You need to know what you're dealing with. Okay, so let's move on to the cat or the kitten who didn't get properly socialized. And now we want to make her a love cat oh
2: yes absolutely and that that happened to me when we got our first Turkish van uh, the breeder didn't socialize her at all and uh, so we got her at 10 weeks and she was not socialized she didn't want to have anything to do with us and I was just livid because you Pay that much for a pedigreed cat, and you expect them to at least have been handled. So, thing to do is you get your new kitten. It's it's the same with any kitten. You put you isolate them in a small room. Don't put them in a huge spare bedroom. That's you know where they can hide under the bed. Put them in a bathroom and don't necessarily free feed them. I mean, if they've been fed dry food and it's available all the time, then you don't want to starve them, but you do want to feed them at specific times. And then that way they become interested in you. Start to
1: care. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is the
2: food lady. Did the food lady bring me something? And uh, when I first met my husband, he told me probably the best suggestion ever. If something wonderful happens every time the cat sees you, if you bring them a treat, I mean, you know, you you don't have to bring them a huge bowl. If every time you go in that bathroom, you bring them a treat. If you play with them, if you talk to them, if you get the toy out, you know, they're going to want to be around you. So you isolate them because you don't want them being freaked out by the vacuum and the television and the kids and all that, and then slowly expand their world. And, uh, you know, uh, bring the kids in when the kids are nice and calm. And uh, if you have small children, then maybe they can hold the, the little feather on a wand. And uh, so that way the, the, the kitten or the cat is going to get used to being played with, as opposed to you releasing the cat and the kid immediately goes running after it and kitty. So that, uh, go in there and talk to them, go in there and read to them they don't care i mean you know if if you, if you want to read the news to them they're going to be perfectly happy they get used to your your voice your scent and uh, you know you just kind of move slow it's like dating you know if if you go out with somebody and they're like wow let's get married and you're like oh ho, 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 let's slow this down you know we don't do this on the first date but, you know, they treat you good and, and you get to know each other and you get to trust each other. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, well, let's get married. And and so look at it like that. You're dating and you don't want to move too fast.
1: Okay. All right. So that's a great way to end this show about all the different cats. And we want to just caution you all that, you know, whatever breed you have, whatever cat you have, if you're kind to it and you love it and you pet it and you give it nice things, it will be nice. When people say their cat is aloof or cold, uh, resentful, or that it's uh, vengeful, I look at them and I know that they're not the kind of person that I want to hang out with because there is no such thing as a cat like that.
2: May I add one more thing, please? Oh, sure, please. Okay, so if you have a cat that has been social and happy or whatever and all of a sudden they tend to become more aggressive, they scratch or they bite or whatever, that's a signal that you need to take this kitty to the vet. It may have nothing to do with with anything that's going on in the house.
1: Yeah, especially if if your cat always used the litter box and now it won't. You know, exactly. don't scold. Do not scold. There's a real good chance of something very simple that a couple of pills could fix. You know, could be an infection, could be something your cat cannot help. But if you start scolding, you're going to add a training behavioral problem onto whatever little medical problem is bothering her. Well, and, and another thing that I found shocking is the
2: fact that cats can actually start developing arthritis as early as one year old. And that's without injuries. So, you know, if uh, all of a sudden you're touching your cat on the hip or you're picking them up and they're scratching or biting or vocalizing, go to the vet. Because this has nothing to do with color or breed or whatever. You know, a change in behavior, especially an aggressive change of behavior for you or other animals or kids or whatever, need to go to the vet.
1: And we did touch on it a little bit in in the last show and this show, but I just want to reiterate that prevention is so important. If you want to keep your vet bills down, you don't wait until the cat can barely get up. You go in quickly and you you get it dealt with quickly when there's a change like this. But also, if you want to keep your vet bills down, grooming, right? That's just so essential. Touch your cat all over every day. Brush your cat every day. Dogs, too. Make sure you find stuff if there's a cut or a sore. The other day, I had a Labrador here and she had this like, it would look like a pimple, but it was huge. It was like the size of a a fig. And then it was the size of a macaroon. It was between her two toes. Yeah. So I right away called the vet, made an appointment. But in the meantime, I took her foot and I put it in Epsom salts and warm water. And I did that four times a day that night and the next morning. And the whole thing's gone, completely healed. It was probably a sliver, a piece of dirt or an ingrown hair or whatever. But, you know, keep on it, right? I would have taken her to the vet if it hadn't. But something like that could end up being such a big vet bill if you didn't catch it right away. So just pet your pets and groom your pets and brush those cats. And if you have long haired cats, especially brush them all the time, every day, the short haired cats probably once a week will do it, but make sure you're not letting them suffer with, you know, hanging on bits and mats and fur pulling out and scabs and skin irritation, because that that's part of their armor against the world. And you don't want them traveling around getting infections and, and, being in pain. So keep your cats clean and groomed and you'll have way less vet bills, way less. Because a lot of this stuff comes from them trying to get it themselves and trying to deal with it. Right? Absolutely. And when you're, uh something people don't think
2: about, mats are so painful. Mats are so painful because uh, when the hair starts getting tangled and uh, then it gets wet and dry and contracts and, and pulls, it pulls at a different tension rate, you may have uh, some hairs that are, are pulling very tight and then the hairs right next to them are not. So there are going to be some areas within this mat that you know the, the hair is being pulled all the time. And again, you, know, it gets back to uh, it's painful, so uh, the cat gets aggressive. So yes, uh, it's really important to, to do that. And if you do have mats, don't go in there and cut those babies out yourself because you can really slice a cat bad. And then it's back to, oh, something you could have dealt with free <laughs> by just combing every day. You're now going to have to go in and have the cat anesthetized and shaved and, oh, you, you cut them. So now they have to have stitches. And, and uh, you know, per, as you said, prevention is so much better than trying to uh, scramble to repair things.
1: Yeah, mats on cats and hot spots on dogs, always bigger than you think they are. So you clip and you don't realize there's a whack of skin you just cut. And now the cat's bleeding. So be super, super, super careful. OK, well, thank you, Dusty, for joining us again. I hope you'll come back. Of course. Anytime. My pleasure. All right, everybody. From Dusty Rainville and me, Deb Wolf, if you want to see the cats of Camp Good Dog, there are a few clips of those poor cats that survive out here at Camp Good Dog, surrounded by Labradoodles, Gold Doodles, and all the guests. But they're special cats and they actually love dogs. One of them was nursed by a poodle briefly while the people who were raising her, raising the, these people had his cat and the cat died while they were, she was supposed to be nursing her kittens and they couldn't get the hang of bottle feeding. So I sent my poodle over to help them just while they were, Getting the hang of it because the milk's not the same, but at least the cats would have somebody cleaning them and warm body to lie against, and you know, stay alive. Anyway, they all lived, and they gave me one, and so he's here now. So he's my most dog-friendly cat ever. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what he is. His name is Bobby, and uh, so if you want to see the cats at Camp Good Dog, there are a few videos up there on uh, Deb Wolf, pet expert YouTube, plus loads of dog videos, everything you need to know to train a dog, and lots and lots of puppy videos. So thank you very much, Dusty, once again.
2: My pleasure. And if anybody wants to uh, check out my books, it's Dusty Rainbolt. You can find them on Amazon.com. I'm on Facebook, Dusty Rainbolt, and uh, they can also go to my website. It's DustyCatWriter.com. That's D-U-S-T-Y-C-A-T-W-R-I-T-E-R.com.
1: So that cat, Bobby, Bobby, the Bobcat Bobby, he actually is now he was came to me last uh, Thanksgiving so he's almost not a kitten anymore and now um, a new mama not not his not the one who helped him but a new mama had puppies and he took his time and he asked permission and it took days but he gradually made his way into the whelping box and I have footage on that Deb Wolf Pet (laughs) Expert YouTube of Bobby the Bobcat actually cleaning newborn puppies lying in the whelping pan with the mama doing his best to help out. Oh my gosh, what a, what a beautiful animal. It's amazing what they'll do for each other sometimes, these moms and babies and how they help each other. So from everyone at Animal Party, Dusty Rainbow, and me, Deb, well, be good to your animals.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.